back to Tales from the Paw Side, the ASCMV podcast. Um, all of us at the Animal Services Center definitely know how fulfilling it can be um, to own and take care of a pet of your own. Um, or two or three uh, pets, of course. Um, but we would like to point out that there is a level of responsibility when it comes to taking care of a pet. Um, more than just making sure they're loved and doted on um, and just, uh, just fed as a baseline. Um, being a responsible pet owner uh, means that you're taking account of your pet's mental, physical, social, and emotional health um, to ensure that they're kind of a well-rounded, uh, fully fulfilled, uh, stable animal. Um, and I'm going to have a few guests today. I'm going to be speaking with um, Emily. She's a current volunteer, former volunteer coordinator, and just a general pet owner from the community who liked who, uh, like wanted to come and chat with us. Um, and I'll also have our executive director, Clint Dagger, back uh, to join in on the discussion. And we're going to talk about pet responsible pet ownership. So stick around and listen in. With me today, we have Emily, who is actually our former volunteer coordinator, but for now, she's just here as a pet-owning member of the community. And of course, we also have our awesome executive director, Clint Thacker. I know you've seen him before, and I believe one or two podcast episodes, as well as our intro. Um, so he's here as well to offer his input. Thank um, you, Amy. I really enjoy being here with you today. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. Of course. Um, so about responsible pet ownership, um, this would kind of be more of kind of a casual sort of roundtable discussion. I'm going to bring up some points that I think is important to talk about responsible pet ownership, and then we'll all offer our own, I guess, insights and um, uh, personal kind of uh, experiences and opinions as well. So we'll go ahead and start off. Um, I think, I personally think, and I think a lot of people as well would think, the one of the most important fundamentals of responsible pet ownership is microchipping, spaying and neutering, and vaccinating um, your pets. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the things I love saying to people is microchips never fall off. You don't take them off when you give a bath. You know, they, they don't get old and wear out and will crinkle up and just fall off like so many things do. Um, and they're not annoying when they sound on the on the collar, you know, they're chingling back and forth. Microchips are the best way to ensure that your animal can get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because if you just kind of rely on the collar and tags, like Clint said, um, that is removable. It's not stuck to the body. Even if they have it on all the time, it can fade, it can scratch off. Um, if they are out kind of lost, it can get caught in something and get removed, even though last you saw your pet had a collar and um, there are there would be cases where um, they could slip out of it. And then now he has no identification. So definitely microchips. There's, they're with them basically forever. They are with them forever. It'll never be going away. As long as you keep your information up to date, um, there will always be a way for us, someone, uh, vet clinic, I think even fire stations sometimes will have them. Someone will be able to get a hold of you because of the microchip that is the surefire way. Yeah, one of the most important things to remember about a microchip is you've got to update the information and keep it up to date in your info. Perfect example of that was when Hurricane Katrina went through and decimated these uh, veterinarians. And so when they were at the staging center, the, the animals were at the staging center and they would call on these microchips, they would find out that the implanter is the veterinarian. And so you'd have to call the veterinarian to get their information, but they were under 10 feet of water. And so even if your veterinarian says, you know, don't worry about it, it's gonna be registered to us, always get it registered to in your name with your phone number and information because if that company goes out of business and nobody buys their info 
then you don't have any recourse at all to get your animal back. So, and then especially if you move, you need to keep that information updated. And most most chip companies will allow you to do it for free to, to update that. Yeah, definitely. Um, spaying and neutering is also a big kind of tenant that we at the ACMB and a lot of animal welfare organizations follow. Like we don't adopt out animals until they are sterilized. They don't go to your home until they're sterilized. And this is all to kind of battle the overpopulation crisis that is happening, that's been happening nationwide, um, definitely. Um, and we believe that if you're having just a regular pet at home, um, their whole sole purpose is companionship. They, they should definitely be spayed and neutered, um, especially if they're a mixed breed, especially mixed breeds. Um, they don't need to uh, repopulate. They don't need to produce offspring. Um, well, I'm going to interrupt to say just a couple things. For one, no animal needs to reproduce. I think especially in our area here in Las Cruces, in Doniana County, no animal should have puppies. And I say that from a, a view of seeing 10,000 animals come into the center a year. And over 40% of those animals are getting euthanized. And that is a huge number. And most of those animals are young animals that have no uh, immunity or strength against diseases. And uh, so these animals are suffering basically before they come in. And we don't want that. So we don't... and. Another one is, is most of our puppies, they will leave the center that leave the center alive, leave via a rescue going somewhere else. Uh, just because we don't need young animals here in, in this area. We are in such a, a terrible condition that uh, we're doing our best to get animals out. Yeah, uh, young animals out of this area. Yeah, definitely. Can I jump in too? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. So I'm gonna jump in and just talk a little bit about some other benefits of spaying and neutering because it's not just the, the overpopulation that spaying and neutering assists with, it also can help to calm your animal down. And a lot of people don't really understand that they don't know, hey, if they're spayed and neutered, they're gonna be more calm, which is really great when you have an animal that just is bouncing off the walls, kind of like my cat. <laughs> he does that and, you know, once he was spayed and neutered, it, it helped him to just be a little bit more calm. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, spaying and neutering uh, removes the reproductive organs, so that'll remove the uh, reproductive hormones like testosterone with males. That's um, when those surges happen. That's when male dogs, especially, are known to escape their yards, um, even if they're not previously known to, and roam um, because males, I believe, they can smell like a female in heat up to. Five miles away? Yeah, it's miles. A, yeah, it's miles away. Um, and and they, they'll do anything to get to that female, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. I've seen them climb chain link fences and brick and brick walls yeah. Yep, yeah. and dig under. A lot of people, especially men, think that it's that their dog, their male dog, is the same as them, where if they see a pretty girl or something like that, they're like, ooh, yeah, that's a pretty girl. They're not. They're nothing like that. They. It's the smell of when the animal's in heat. Um and there's also nothing that is less manly about getting your animal sterilized, anything like that. So you need to stop thinking that that, that animal's the same as you. It's not. Yeah, definitely. Dogs, dogs and cats. Animals, um, they don't have kind of like the social structure that humans no. have. They don't have a concept of masculinity or femininity. When you get them neutered, they, they don't. They do not care. What's that word you used when you personify human on uh, an animal? Um, anthropomorphizing. 
Yeah, definitely doing that. Um, and that can also go That's into a big word. <laughs> yeah. That can also go when it comes into like um, people wanting to not spay their animal because they believe that their animal deserves to experience the miracle of childbirth. And that's also anthropomorphizing on your animal. Um, your, your female dog or cat or pet in general, um, they don't have um, kind of, I guess, the lifelong, the maternal desire yeah. um, before getting pregnant. They don't want to. They're not dreaming about, oh, I want to be a mother to a litter of puppies and kittens, and my life won't be fulfilled if that doesn't happen. The dog, your pet doesn't matter. They, 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 they don't care. Your pet doesn't care. They just kind of want to live their life eating, sleeping, um, playing around. They just want to be, you know, just pets. Yep. And more to the point of what Emily's saying, I mean, there's testicular cancer, there's uterine cancer, there's um, so a lot more, much healthier lifestyle for it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Checkups. Um, checkups. Very important. Yeah. yeah. Um, we encourage all, um, every, a lot of most, if not all, animal welfare organizations encourage um, making, scheduling regular checkups at your vet clinic, um, after you adopt a pet from us, we suggest going to a vet clinic as soon as you can, just so we can get you can get your pet established at that clinic, become a regular um, client, um, and then do annual checkups um, from then on out. And that's just to um, make sure your pet is continuing to stay healthy. They'll do like routine blood work to make sure there's nothing internal going on that you might not be aware of because pets are really um, good at kind of hiding when they're feeling bad, especially cats. Um, you might not know that they're sick or feeling unwell until it's really bad. So that's uh, regular checkups help um, catch things early if it happens. And it also just gives you peace of mind that your pet is uh, staying healthy and you're, you're doing a good job. Yeah, we're talking premeditative or premeditative, pre preventative yeah. things here. It's, uh, it's expensive to go to the vet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. You know, you're walking out of there at, at least $100 minimum. And that's just for the office visit. However, that... That $100 a year or $200 a year is a lot cheaper than that emergency visit that needs to be done quickly and paying for everything that comes with it, six, $700. So yeah. The, and also the veterinarian gets to know your animal. So when your animal does look down or it does something is wrong, that they can uh, look at it specifically and know right off that something's not right. Mm -hmm. um, kind of along the lines of, keeping your pet healthy, uh, making sure that they get regularly checked up. Um, something that I like to personally kind of suggest is, um, or remind people that overfeeding in general, um, it does more harm than it does good. Uh, we definitely recommend keeping your pet on a, on a, on a, a species um, appropriate diet um, formulated for your dog or your cat, not too many table scraps, um, and definitely use the feeding guidelines that um, the packaging would have to offer. Um, there's overfeeding. I know like it's a it's a common thing that can happen to people um, with their pets. They, they love their pets so much. They always want to give them table scraps. They always set stuff aside. Um, they might have a they cook steak for the family and they'll also have like a little piece of steak for their pet and they do that every night. Um, and that kind of What's what? What's wrong I'm, with I that? Feel, I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and a little bit at a time is definitely not bad. Um, but when it becomes when it's um like a little treat here and there, it's a little bit. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad thing, uh, and it can be a nice little reward. But definitely, um, some people can get into the habit of doing it consistently, and that can lead to weight gain, obesity, diabetes, um, pancreatitis is a thing that um, a lot of like vet clinics see like a spike in pancreatitis cases after like Thanksgiving and Christmas um, because their 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 pets are also getting a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner as well, and then they end up having um, gastrointestinal issues, so diarrhea and stuff like that. 
Um, but definitely, yeah, it's not fun. Um, that, that's mostly like a kind of binge feeding your animal um, junk food um, and then doing it on a regular basis. Um. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid, we had a little dachshund growing up. And this was a red dachshund. Her name was Chelsea. And her bathroom or her bathroom, her food was in the bathroom. And my dad would just always keep it full. Mm-hmm. Well, she came like she's got that big around. And everybody who came to our house was like, oh, my gosh, your dog's so fat. And they're like, it's so squishy. They, you know, they do the pet and squishing thing. And when my dad finally went to the vet, of course, and they said, you're feeding your dog way too much. How are you doing it? And then he's like, well, we're just, whenever it's empty, we fill it up. And now I know, back then I didn't, but now it's called free feeding. Mm-hmm. And we actually looked on the instructions on the back and it's like half a cup a day. And so then we had to switch that and it was hard. That, that dog, she was always whining and complaining when, you know, she, all our food was gone, used to being full. That's a lot more healthier. And another note is, is that if you're feeding really high quality food, it's going to be a smaller amount because yes. they get a lot out of that. Versus the really cheap food, it may be cheap, but you got to feed a lot, and there's a lot of corn in those, and so it's it proves for a lot of a lot of poop yeah, around. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, and just as a kind of a maybe a sort of explanation or kind of a description of how obesity in pets is actually a lot more serious than it could be in humans, um, especially because their bodies are significantly smaller than ours. Um, I believe, and this is something that I learned when I went to school uh, for animal science, um, I believe for cats, every extra pound above their ideal weight range is the equivalent of 10 extra pounds on a human. So if your cat, if like, a, I think the ideal weight range for like a male cat is, I believe, 8 to 12 pounds. So if your cat happens to be 20 pounds, so he's 8 pounds overweight, that's equivalent to 40 extra pounds on like a human being. Um, and dogs, that ranges between the breed sizes. I think larger breeds, it's more equivalent to like an extra pound is like an extra five pounds for little dogs. It'll be more like cats. An extra pound is like an extra 10 pounds. Um, but it's uh, because their bodies are so small, it's easier for them to gain more weight and it impacts them a lot more seriously um, than we realize, I believe. That's some good information to share with uh, city council during your council meetings. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I'll add that. That's a good, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of people don't know that. They think that my, my cat's just a little bit overweight. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, one pound is... This is future Amy, uh, post-recording Amy, uh, coming in back in to kind of correct what I said um, in that little spiel. I did my math totally wrong. Um, If a 20-pound cat would be 8 pounds overweight, that's the equivalent of um, 80 pounds uh, over extra weight on a human, not 40 pounds. I did my math completely wrong, and I apologize, but we'll proceed. We'll continue as normal. Thank you. Significant one, just a little. Yeah, definitely, and we don't realize it as um, of course, with humans, like we 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 don't take it as seriously. So it's like, oh, like obviously the animals the same, but their little bodies that definitely impacts them a lot more. I think our next topic about physical enrichment, a lot a lot of times we use food as part of that enrichment, mm-hmm. um, but it's only in you make them work for it, and it's just little kibbles. Like I did one time, I had a dog uh, Foster. I took a PVC pipe and put ends on both, filled it with a little bit of a kibble, and then drill holes all the way around. Mm-hmm. And the dog would have to move it with, with the nose and, and play with it a little bit to get the food to come out. And absolutely loved it, but it was stimulating, right, to the mm-hmm. brain and be able to, to get out. And it was just a little teeny kibble, so it wasn't right. like they were 
overfeeding every single time. No, yeah, definitely. And that's had a good time. Yeah. And now um, we see them a really common in pet stores, like a training treat bags, treat packages specifically for training. They're usually low calorie treats. So you can give them during a training session without really concerning too much about adjusting the meal sizes. Um, we're uh, like, I guess the animal kind of pet world is sort of gearing towards that as well, making right. sure that there are certain treats that are lower calorie that you can use for training and enrichment. So it doesn't heavily impact them and doesn't lead to like the overfeeding or over over calorie intake, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, definitely um, providing the mental enrichment. And it's also physical enrichment as well when you do like kind of like the treat, the puzzle treater, puzzle feeders and treat dispensers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cats and dogs, I believe, both have their kinds of like snuffle mats. It's kind of the same way. They're like felted blankets with like a bunch of little tabs um, that you s- kind of smush the kibbles into, and that also kind of enriches them. They have to go and like dig for it and try to f- find the pieces. They have to use more senses um, activated to kind of identify and get every single piece of kibble, and that definitely that triggers sort of their, um, I guess. Uh, Maybe it's, maybe it's kind of like their predator instinct. They want to hunt their hunting instinct. They get to kind of like activate that part of their brain to find all the pieces of kibble and it keeps them feeling a lot more mentally stimulated, definitely. Have you ever watched a dog do those blankets? The snuff things? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing has made me more grateful for hands than watching a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just yeah. trying to put their nose yeah. down in there and get it. And you're like, oh my gosh. Just reach in there and get it. It drives me crazy. I always feel like whenever I fill up a con for my dog, I have to help him with it because he'll like knock it around <laughs> and then he'll look at me for help and I'm like, you don't need the extra help because you can do this, but he'll he'll pout until I do like yeah, hold it. so it can come yeah. out again. And then he also sticks it under the couch, which is really good enrichment, but yeah. you can stick it under the couch to hold it. Oh wow. That's how he rolls. Right. But it's good enrichment for him, it keeps him busy and it does help with those, you know those requirements that he has to keep him busy because he's so high functioning. Like he's a yeah, smart he, boy. He can be destructive, right? It, all dogs yeah. can be. Yes. All animals can be destructive if, unless they have enough to do. They've got to have that outlet and it's all part of responsible pet ownership is providing that outlet for some destructive behavior. Because I, when I was an officer and, and I would go to people for barking, barking issues, I'd say, listen, a dog communicates by sight, sound and smell. And so when, if you have a high functioning dog that's out there running laps and you're and barking all the time, he's bored. Yeah. Get something for her, for him or her to do. Yeah, fill up some cons, stick them in the yard or yeah. like play with them, take them on walks because regular walks, I mean, we can benefit from walks, animals can benefit from walks. Yeah. Even cats can benefit from walks. I've seen people walking their cats down the street, which is a little weird, but I think it's super cool that the cat's, you know, confident enough to do that. Well, yeah. and what's that cat going to do as soon as he gets home? Not right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's what you want is you want them so tired that they just want to sleep uh, for a little bit, and, and then they're not destructive. Yeah, they're not, like exactly. The couch. Mm-hmm. They're not eating the carpet. They're not chewing on the furniture. They're just they're done because they were properly socialized and enriched for the day. Yeah, definitely. And, and you bring you bring up socializing, and that's our next topic. And I man, that is so important. We have um, one of the reasons why we built a new center was because we were going to say, let's have an animal shelter. And I said, well, that was the question for the Gobon. And I said, well, let's, let's do, also do a dog park. They said, it's very common to have a dog park right next to the new animal center because that can promote both be able to do that. And so that was the, the question was build a, a animal center and two acres worth of dog parks. So they split them up. 
So we have, I believe, three dog parks here now in Las Cruces. Um, and one at Burn Lake, the new one at Burn Lake, the new one here on Rinconada, and then where's the other one? Yes, I, I think so. Um, we don't have any control over those, so we're not, we're, we're ASCMV, we're not uh, Parks and Rec is city is actually the ones that have control over those dog parks, but they're great. I mean, we, the one here is always packed in the morning and also especially in the evening. Mm -hmm. And that's so important to get your animals that socialization. Like I have this Chihuahua Terrier thing. I love her to death. She's, she's my tiki dog, but she hates other dogs. Bottom line. And that's my own fault. I didn't socialize her very well. And uh, so huge difference. So whenever we bring a foster home, we have to put her away and introduce them very slowly or else bad things happen. Yeah, so definitely. It's a lot easier um, to socialize an animal, especially if you adopt them as like a puppy or a kitten, um, because they're still, their brains are still developing. They're still learning kind of the, uh, um, I guess, social cues and social, I guess, um, social cues. And um, what is the word I'm trying to look for? Like social etiquette between other animals. Yeah. Um, that's the prime socialization time is for puppies and kittens. Did you want to let in or anything? About socializing your pets? Yes. I mean, super important, like Amy was saying, just to... Make sure that the animal is socialized properly so when they are out and about even if your dog or your cat isn't the most friendly animal they can at least have the etiquette to be i guess just not reactive to the other animals or whatever else is going on out there so, yeah definitely yeah, for sure um, um also kind of in the same vein sort of socializing your pet taking to the dog park aside from dog parts um bringing your pets out in public um, we do have leash laws both here, like citywide and also county ordinances regarding uh, keeping your pets restrained. And that's something that um, I believe you might have personal experience with. Yeah, and that's huge because when you have an animal and you have them leashed and you're walking with them, you're out in a public place and then somebody else's dog isn't on a leash, they run up to your dog and they say, no, no, my dog is friendly. Well, mine might not be. He's on a leash. I'm trying to be responsible. I have him, you know, under control, but that's one thing that. I feel like pet owners can understand a little bit better just because your animal is friendly doesn't mean that other animals are. Right. I don't understand the whole thrill of having your dog off a leash yeah. when you're walking. I, I honestly, I don't get it. So many bad things can happen yeah. to that animal. It's dangerous. They could get hit yeah. by a car. They could get attacked by another animal that's loose. There's a lot of things. Well, especially here, rattlesnakes mm -hmm. or snake bites, spider scorpions. bites, scorpions. Yeah. And you have no control over that animal. Or, and also, I mean, there's laws about chasing deer or hoofed, hoofed animals. Your animal could be killed yeah. if it's chasing the wrong type of animal. Mm -hmm. And there's every right for them to do it. So, and it was the only thing is, if it's on a leash, it would have never happened. Exactly, yeah. Very important to leash your animal. I mean, if it's at the dog park, absolutely. It's off leash. If they're socialized properly, take them to the dog park. It's a safe place. It's fenced in. You don't need to worry about, well, I'm not necessarily rattlesnakes because they can still get <laughs> yeah. into the dog park, but you don't need to worry about them chasing hooked animals right. or yeah. those kinds of things. So. Uh, definitely. Yep. Um, also, in addition to restraint, not necessarily leashes, um, but it's something that I see a lot when I'm just driving around doing my business. Um, animals in the backs of trucks, truck beds, um, they, they need to, by the ordinance, have to be restrained. Um, the surface has to be non-slick, preferred to be crated. It's um, it's a hazard for your animal and for the public in general. Um, if any for any sort of reason your animal jumps out, you get into a car accident, your animal flies out. Um, it's just overall safe, much safer 
um, and required to keep your animal secure on the back of your truck bed. I know I understand if you have a truck that only has like the first three seats and there's really no cab, um, so there's no really no other kind of option. But always like have a crate in the back of your truck and it, it keeps your your pet safe definitely a lot safer than if they were just walking around the, the back of the truck um slipping if you take a turn too sharp um definitely keep your pet's health in mind your physical your pet's physical health in mind when it comes to toting them around in your truck definitely yeah we were we were driving home one time uh from a family trip from seattle back to utah and we were in the mountains and we we're coming up over this pass there's all this traffic we got to where the traffic was way part, and it was an accident that happened and a dog or is it a truck and there was a dog dead on in the middle of the road obviously had been in the truck and i'm like oh, i wish that never would have happened if the animal was in a crate and there's no real excuse not to have a crate an animal in the back of the truck i mean i i I've lived in farm communities and I see them all the time with dogs, you know, just out walking around in the back of the truck. And that's their excuses. It's a working animal. Well, I've also been an out control officer in rural areas. and I've seen working dogs, healers in, in a crate on the back of a flat bottom truck. And they're able, all they have to do is just go and open the crate door and the dog goes in, dog goes out, you know, and it's easy. Yeah. 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 There's no, no excuse for it. So. Uh, keep your animals contained. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the safest, um, healthiest thing you can do for your pet, and that that, that shows um, they might not can make that connection, but in general, it shows that that's you love them enough to keep them safe like that. You want to put their physical well being as like a top priority for keeping them around. Definitely. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you guys might want to bring up? I think uh, this all is going into under the umbrella of pet management or pet responsibility, mm-hmm. ownership, 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 responsibility. So yeah, get your animals to the vet uh, so they can be watched over. Just like one of your kids, if your animal, if your kid was sick or you do animal checkups, um, you need to do that. Uh, um, keep them contained. I mean, it's all basic stuff that we're talking about for proper uh, responsible ownership. Another one is, is if they get caught by animal control and brought to the center, come and get them. Yeah, please come <laughs> and get your animals. Come and get your animals. <laughs> we, and, and yeah, when you get here, there are fees that we charge so we can keep the place going and help offset some of the costs. We, just so everybody knows out there in the world, there's no way that we can run a, a business with the fees that we charge on the positive side. We're always in the negative. It's, it's always cost us more. So we're not making, making money off of your fees that you pay us. Um, and with that said, we are continually cutting fees as well. So if you say, you know, I can't afford it, come talk to us. We can make those cuts and, and make it affordable because believe it or not, we don't want your dog <laughs> or your cat or your rabbit or anything else that's here. Uh, we don't want them. So and I, I've heard it once before, several times, that the animal shelter is not the best place to re, to get your animal, from a, like a reclaimed animal. It's not the best place to get it is is when ACL calls and says, "I have this animal. Will you come and get it?" Um, think about it. We have diseases here. We have all the fees here. We have you know the stress of, of coming in. It's, it's not a good place. We do things to help negate those and make them better. But ultimately, your, your animal responsible pet ownership is doing what you have to do 
to keep your animal safe and healthy. Definitely to kind of tie it back and segue back to microchipping. Um, uh, animal control officers um, will scan every animal um, for microchip. And if there is a microchip on file, they will look it up themselves and reach out to you, uh, the, the pet owner, to try and get them back to you because they don't want to bring the animal here either. If they can do the field um, uh, return to owner, um, that is definitely that's the ideal thing for everyone. And that's what we're all trying to do. Alrighty, well, thank you guys for taking the time out to chat with me and just kind of cover the basics of pet responsible pet ownership. Definitely. We really hope that our chat today uh, helped educate some people listening and, and also in that vein, the people that have learned something new to go ahead and share that with all their family and friends because um, we want to educate as many people as possible. We want to get this information disseminated out into the public. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, Emily, we sure appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And... Like you said, former employee, so it's always good to see him. So, and Amy, thank you very much for doing this. I just want you to know that my family loves the podcast. <laughs> we listen to it all the time, every month. Very informative. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that listening to that discussion as much as I enjoyed having it um, along with our with our director and our friend, uh, former volunteer, current volunteer, Emily. Um, but I would like to address that we do have a podcast question to answer this time. Um, since our last podcast was previously recorded, we got a submission. Um, it is titled, uh, Support for Keeping Your Animal, Especially if Money is the Issue. And I have it right here, so I won't uh, miss uh, get it incorrect. Uh, they said, I was at the, an the Santa Fe Animal Shelter yesterday with the head of the animal care team, and he said that once a creature crosses the threshold, they have to do an intake. But if someone is surrendering a pet for lack of money, they would give you food, even for a whole year. And if animal needed medical help, you kept pay for that they would help with that. Uh, that time in the shelter and cages is so hard on animals that they would rather help owners keep their pets at home. I did not know this and have from time to time seen people post that they can't afford to keep their pet. So I thought that this was worth sharing. And is this the same is the same true for the ASCMV? Um, well, while we while we at the ASCMV um, don't offer any sort of medical services, we don't have a public-facing uh, medical clinic. Um, there is uh, the Doniana County Humane Society does have the um, Animal Relief Fund, I believe is what it's called. You can find it on their website. Uh, you can look up Doniana County Humane Society find their website and have it in the resources. Um, they offer medical assistance for low-income individuals. Um, it's a little voucher. Uh, it helps kind of offset the overall cost of taking your pet to a vet um, if they need uh, medical help. Um, regarding food, um, the cost of food and, and that being a struggle um, for uh, pet owners. Um, we do, uh, I did get with our office manager, um, to ask her this question before I relate it all to you, and she did let, let, let me know to let you all know um, that if if a person comes in to surrender an animal and they do state that they've been having a hard time uh, money-wise and they haven't been able to afford food um, specifically, we do um, offer them uh, donated food that we might already have previously been given. Um, we'll offer that to them to keep them kind of um, at least helped for a little bit. Um, so if you'd like to help us support uh, owners that way. We do accept food donations. Um, they have to be unopened packages and they have to be, of course, um, not expired, preferably, um, but definitely unopened. And we use that to kind of help. We'll give an owner a bag of food um, to kind of ease their kind of money situation. And hopefully um, that'll kind of help in the future as well. Well, while this is only a primarily temporary situation that we 
um, help with. It's not really super long-term. Um, we do actually have a rescue partner in town. Um, they're called Action Programs for Animals, and they actually own, they run um, the food bank through their rescue. Um, it is a sort of resource for low-income individuals, um, and they are open uh, on the first and third Saturdays of the month um, from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And of course, since this is uh, a resource offered to low-income individuals in general, um, you have to provide a proof that you're getting a low-income or government assistance. You have to have provide proof that you are a resident of Donana County, and you also have to provide uh, records for your pet. Um, but this is a, a more consistent uh, solution. Um, and of course, Action Programs for Animals uh, also accepts donations for their food bank as well, if you'd like to support them as well. Um, if you'd like any more information at all, you can visit them uh, at their website, APA Las Cruces, all one word, uh, .org, or you can call them at 575-644-0505 if you have any questions. Of course, um, as a, in general, we are, as, as the shelter and of course APA, we, we want to help the owners as, off, as much as we can. Um, if there's any way we can help an animal either retain their pet um, or reclaim their pet if they're already here, as mentioned earlier by Clint. Um, we, 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 are, we are definitely willing to work with you. Um, definitely don't be afraid um, to bring it up to us and see if there's something we can do because more often than not, we, we, we don't want the animals coming in and we want to get them out as fast as possible. So absolutely, we, we wanna help you guys as much as we can. Um, if there are any questions anyone else would like to share or ask us so that we can address it in our next episode, um, feel free to check out uh, our resources tab on our website, ASCMB.org. Um, the resources tab and then conversations with the center and that will take you to a link um, where you fill out a fun little job form um, and then we'll answer your question for next time, next month. But thank you for sticking around and um, we hope to see you next month. And just to give you guys a little heads up as to what's going to be going on at the ASCMV in the month of November, um, we'll actually be having um, an event at Fire Station 1 on Saturday, November 4th. We'll be there from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, they will be awarding us as well um, all of the proceeds that came with um, our fun little fire uh, fire shelter pet calendar shoot that we did um, last year. That'll be fun. Definitely encourage you to come around and just hang out with us, hang out with the firemen, fire people. Um, and we'll have dogs available for adoption as well. So stick around and maybe you'll find one that you love. We will not be having an adoption event on November 11th, the Saturday. And that is because we are closed for Veterans Day. So we will not be in operations. It's a federal holiday that we are observing. And in the same vein, we will also not be open on Thanksgiving Day, of course. We want you all to uh, celebrate those holidays with your family, um, giving observance and respects um, and definitely take that time to yourself. Following that Saturday uh, that we're closed, though, we will be having an adoption event at Icebox uh, at the, their Picacho location. We'll be there from 12 to 3. Um, it's always fun to hang around, get some lunch at Icebox, meet some dogs, and hopefully you find one that you fall in love with as well. Um, and then, of course, our final adoption event of the month, we will be at the Farmer's Market on Saturday the 25th. It will be there from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We always love being at the Farmer's Market. Um, get to hang out with the other the people's owned dogs that they bring to the Farmer's, mar farmer's Market. You can meet ours, say hi, um, and we definitely encourage you all to come out and adopt from us, definitely. Um, we're ho we hope you're as excited about these events as we are. Um, we hope to see you uh, in the next month and next podcast. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you later.